This is Brandon Silvers, and you're listening to the Chore Boys Podcast. everybody back to the troy boys podcast uh we're recording this sunday october 2nd so we are fresh in celebrating troy's 34 to 27 win over the hilltoppers of western kentucky university Uh, i I don't want to celebrate alone who does uh so let me welcome in uh my friends and we'll get this started first let me welcome the chairman of the board the best in the business, the proud host from the Gulf Coast, Seabass. Hey, I'm here, everybody. Let's go ahead and throw them fins up. Beating Western Kentucky. That was a huge win for the men of Troy. And uh, let's just capitalize the rest of the season, pull out these dubs, and uh, meet somebody on the east side for the Sun Belt Championship. I'm looking forward to it. Man, I love the positivity. Yeah, I loved beating Western Kentucky. Uh, something, uh, just a quick note that our friends from Southern Miss have actually never done 0-4 against Western Kentucky, those boys. Uh, But let me get in here before we really get started. Uh, Our producer extraordinary, our friend with the personality of Jimmy Fallon and razor-sharp talons, the Birdman. How are you, Bird? What's up, guys? I'm so glad to be here. Man, I've had so many rotten berries this weekend, it's not even funny. I am well marinated, and I am so excited to talk about this big win we got over Western Kentucky. I like that. No one likes a dry bird. So I appreciate you doing, doing the work for us. Um, so I did make my way up uh, to Bowling Green. Um, drove back today. Uh, happy to be back uh, in the grandest valley in Alabama. I want to talk a little bit about the game day experience. Uh, it was Friends and Family Day uh, at Western Kentucky. It was also a whiteout. Um, I did, you know, usually Friends and Family Day does not extend to the officiating crew. <laughs> Um, but interestingly <laughs> enough, at Western Kentucky, it did. So I thought that that was fun. You know, that was an added, uh, you know, an added, an added thing. We're going to talk about that a lot more, I assume. Um, but I, I, I think you have to start the show at at the point that because Troy fans are going to be, you know, have their veins busting out of their forehead. The officiating was some of the worst that I've ever seen for a Troy game, um, and that's really saying something. Um, you know, to, to have a guy knock Mike Rivers over, um, which there's literally a penalty named for doing that and them not call it. Right. Um, is a pretty perfect (laughs) example of just how terrible. But um, we did get called for, um, one of our, that's my coach penalties. We got one of those off of that same play though. Yep. Oh, we sure did. I thought that I might witness John Sumrall actually, um, physically devour an official um, because I mean he he would he had him height and weight some all had him okay so yeah. if he had wanted to just uh, you know loosen his jaws like a snake and fully <laughs> devour that official he could have um, oh, and, and not I one think, of those hilltopper family members not one of them yeah yeah <laughs> and he, he and yeah and some all showed great restraint that's all I'm gonna say. Um, you know, I hate to do this. Um, I've been bragging about every away uh, game that I've gone to. This fan base not extremely friendly. Uh, you know, no one welcomed me to the Corvette City of the United States in Bowling Green. Uh, not happy to have Troy people there. Um, seemed confused as to why we had even shown up. Um, they did have uh, a little over 20,000 
reported attendance. Um, but I'll tell you, the couple hundred Troy fans that were there and the hundred member pep band made all the noise throughout the night. Um, and interestingly, uh, Western Kentucky is is one in three in home games where they have over twenty thousand. Um, oh. So they have a little bit of performance anxiety, it seems, uh, up there in Bowling Green. So happy to be back. It was such a fun experience uh, to be with that group of Troy fans. We made a lot of noise. Um, even even got some uh, false start penalties and delay of game penalties on their offense in their house. And so that, to me, is the ultimate win. Let's get into breaking this game down. Uh, guys, obviously, we came away with a big win. That's the most important thing, 34-27. Uh, to 27. Uh, But this game really was, was kind of a, a tale of quarters. So, so let's talk about this quarter by quarter. Let's get started. The very first quarter of the game. Bass, give me your breakdown of the first 15 minutes. Well, I'm going to start with the first drive of the game. The defense took one drive to get it kind of figured out. Um, they let up three big consecutive plays on the Western Kentucky's first drive for 33, 18, and 13 yards, respectively. Um, that led to the touchdown, the first touchdown of the game uh, Western Kentucky had uh, with 12 minutes and 58 seconds left in the game. But then after that, the Troy's defense you know, kind of showed up. They, they held them uh, to the, basically the rest of the first half uh, with no points. So uh, beyond that first drive, Troy's defense really did show up and show out. Absolutely. Bird, I know that you watched <laughs> every minute of this game, uh, in fact, at, at times putting your marriage in jeopardy to do so. So I applaud you for doing <laughs> that. Um, what did you think of that first 15 minutes? Oh man, I, I mean, I, I would I would be lying if I said that I didn't have a little bit of worry uh, that first drive. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky came out like they've got a great quarterback there, and like their offense really came out you know full force in that first drive. So I was definitely worried, but like Seabass said, that first drive the defense saw what they were working with. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about special teams. Uh, Brooks uh, Buse really came in and was automatic the whole game, and that started in the first quarter. I'm also loving anytime there's a made kick now, the Troy fans are doing a boo Boos. in honor of Brooks Buse, and I'm, I'm loving it. So I want us to keep that up. He certainly he certainly deserves it. Um, let's move on into the second 15 minutes of actions, the second quarter, uh, and get your reaction. Bird, what did you think of that second quarter? Troy was not given up. Western Kentucky – scored twice in the second quarter like it was uh it was it was a little heartbreaking because I was like what is going on with our defense right now like um but you know that first half was not something I was willing to let myself get uh get, get down and out about because you know even though Western Kentucky was answering with everything that we had we were we were coming back with it too even if it was lackluster right and and, and kind of echoing what you were saying we had seen that already this season where the first half of the game were kind of scrounging to figure out what's going to happen in the second half we come back so I wasn't particularly worried at this point because we were kind of staying on par with what Western Kentucky was putting out and I'm just gonna yep. go ahead and jump in here my second quarter um, you know thought is that offensively we really did struggle putting it together the first quarter I felt we were stronger offensively than we were in the second quarter we had the interception thrown we had the three and out the three and out and then finally we had the field goal right before halftime which kind of boosted some morale and probably gave some positive talking points to the guys in the locker room, but I, I feel like second quarter we just kind of struggled offensively, but we kind of got it back together at halftime. But we were we were Absolutely. also we were also fighting against the against the rest too. Like oh, yeah, well, yeah. It, did, it did start in earnest in the second quarter for yeah. sure. They they uh, they looked at their Venmo app and they saw that it had cleared. 
um, and they really got to work. Um, <laughs> halftime, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a very superstitious. The last time I watched um, the Sound of the South play a halftime show, Troy lost a game that we were up about 26 points. So I do not watch any halftime show ever. Um, I always leave my seat. Um, I went to find a nice cold beverage uh, and a Western Kentucky fan in Dallas Cowboys gear started giving me a hard time about that, you know, they were going to run us out of the stadium and this and that. And I'm trying to be very kind. Um, and I respond that, you know, I would think as a Cowboys fan, you'd be fond of Troy, uh, given how well DeMarcus played for the Cowboys. Um, and he responded, uh, DeMarcus who? Oh, and I oh said, my gosh. I said, good day, sir. <laughs> Good day, sir. I said good day. And I, and I, I left him, you know, I, I left him, I left him be. Uh, third quarter, I'll get started. Um, the horrendous officiating really kicks into high gear. Uh, you know, they must have been able to talk to the league office and make sure that, uh, you know, their wives and children weren't watching this so they didn't lose any faith and, and credibility at home. Um, but our coaching staff does what they've done all season. Uh, they made adjustments. We started responding to what Western Kentucky was doing at the edge of the field. That first offensive drive was beautiful. Um, if you had Gunnar Watson having positive rushing plays for 10 yards and a receiving touchdown, you are using black magic. Uh, and I would ask that you go to your local parish priest and figure that out. Bass, uh, <laughs> what did you think uh, looking at that third quarter? Well, the third quarter, I think the big thing that we need to talk about, you know, Gunner sustained an, an injury off of a cheap shot that was not called as a penalty late in the third quarter. I um, mean, this allowed Daigie the opportunity to come out and show Western Kentucky who he really is. You know, he lost the starting gig, which is why he transferred over to Troy. And uh, he uh, entered the field with the uh, good old sounds of booze from the Western Kentucky crowd, but he shut them up quite quickly. You know, Daigie really had a great showing here in the late third and fourth quarters. I mean, I'm sure someone's going to talk about that in the fourth quarter. Absolutely, Bird. What did you see in the third? Oh, man. You know, on top of Gunner having a receiving touchdown, first of all, that play was insane. I had no idea what was going on. I literally spilt my beer all over me um, because of all the – Not the paradise now. The paradise now. Oh, dude. no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the third quarter, a big thing that I was, like, really starting to notice is something we talked about last week. You know, Western Kentucky, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. They're really going to take advantage of any mistakes. And, you know, Western Kentucky was trying really hard uh, to, to, you know, to just pull, to pull something out of their butt because they knew that – Troy's defense had stepped up. They knew we had made adjustments. And, I mean, Gunnar Watson scored a receiving touchdown. Like, how much more, like, chaos do you need in a game like this? Um, you know, third quarter, man, I just, like, seeing Daigie come out, like, that was the loudest that the Western Kentucky crowd had been booing him that I could hear. Um, but, man, third quarter, I was – I, I was so excited because I was like, you know, Troy's got so much fight left in them and they were not backing down. And through adversity, through, you know, the refs making bad calls, like with all the injuries and stuff, like they did not let up. And seeing Deggie come out there that last – at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth quarter, I was a little worried after that fumbled uh, snap that he had. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the first snap he pulled. The, the, yeah, the, the very first, first snap. But, yeah. honest, but honestly, if I had been Daggy and I had transferred from Western, Western Kentucky to Troy and I was in the crowd booing my name, I would have been nervous as hell too. Like, it, it was, right. it was, it was sure. huge, sure. but he, but he came, he overcame that. And we can talk more about that in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, uh, obviously we come in, we're tied. 
Um, and, and, you know, sun has set in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, and out of the blackest night came the brightest day, Gee. Um, and Bass, <laughs> go ahead, take it away. Um, what did you think watching this fourth quarter? Look, I think Daggy had a great showing. He was seven for eight. But I think that the other thing that we're not talking about yet is especially in the fourth quarter, we had fantastic use of Mr. Billingsley again to gain additional yards on the ground, control the clock, and ultimately win the game. I think that we had a solid run base game there in the fourth quarter to kind of help us seal the deal and have Daggy as the keep them on their toes, keep them honest, you know, and, and I was, I was really happy with the way things are going with that in the fourth quarter. And if that really is the true offensive scheme we're wanting to go towards as a team, you know, I'm not, I'm willing to buy a steak dinner for this one, because if that's the way we're going to play, I'm here for it because it looked great. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fourth quarter, what a story, the energy in the stadium, uh, especially with the Troy people, it was absolutely electric. Um, You know, it was such a fun place to be. Um, you know, I, I, I love nights like that. That's why I travel. Um, you know, Daigie, what a quarter. Um, and what excellent passes, especially the fourth and nine play to Tez um, to extend the, uh, his first touchdown drive. I mean, that's amazing. Um, and then once again, we have a batted pass shenanigan play where we mm-hmm. get back there and hit Rivers and one of his offensive linemen, you know, some – pre-engineering major uh, grabs the ball and makes it 12 yards. Um, but, you know, this time uh, the, the defense shows up and seals the deal for the win. Um, it was such an exciting time. Bird, uh, go ahead and give us your take on the fourth quarter and your final takeaway from this game. Yeah, man. The, I mean, you you kind of touched on it. You know, I was I kind of had some uh, trauma response to that, some PTSD. <laughs> um, I was really struggling at that point. Um, you know, I think I think the Troy team, the defense was aware of it and they they tried to stop it where they could. But I also think that, you know, they were celebrating a little early uh, right then. Um, but, you know, granted that I probably would have done the same thing. So I can't really blame those guys. Um, dude, just that fourth quarter was insane. Daigie, he was awesome. He he came out there, did his job. And, you know, we there was so many there's so many players on this Troy offense that they deserve a shout out. Um, this week just for like what they did to contribute to our offensive production um man i'm just i'm so i'm so thankful for such a good game uh i'm so thankful that Sumrall and 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 the coaching staff seem to be utilizing everybody on their team now it seems like they're getting stuff together and billingsley like oh my gosh dude like we talked about it last week you know like the whole you know he went from second and nine on first downs to you know now we're getting second and fours and he's just running twenty yard you know rushes up the middle like like it was incredible and that dude is as tall as I am and I'm just a little bird like it's insane how he was just getting through those holes and I don't know man it's it's I was so excited in the fourth quarter and I don't think I could be more proud of this Troy team you know like they they really went in there and gave it their all and. You know, something that the commentators on ESPN Plus kept saying was, you know, Troy and their heartbreak against App State or whatever. This is something that they need. And I'm like, bro, like, like, don't talk about that, number one. Number two, I saw the same energy in that game that they were putting in all of their effort in that game. They were putting into this exactly. game. And mm-hmm. it was it was great. Exactly. And and for all of our podcast listeners, a bird is not an ostrich uh, or an emu. Uh, he is a very he's a small bird. Uh, I don't want to give you his exact species because it is still dove season. But when he says uh, <laughs> that someone is the same height as him, 
it's a it's a small it's a small bird not a bird of prey um yeah <laughs> oh i agree God. fine you know another excellent job by the defense um you know how many times were we warned um on sunbelt social media about Mal- malachi corley right malachi corley uh, is this fantastic wide receiver there's no wide receivers in the sunbelt as good as as malachi corley uh well you know let's go ahead and, and after we find and make sure tucker Kilcrease uh is okay Let's put let's put out a wellness check on Malachi Corley because he had four catches for 28 yards, so he has just 21 more yards uh, receiving than Gunnar Watson. Okay, um, so <laughs> happy to see we shut those guys down. Offense is getting better every single snap. Yep. Bass, what's your final takeaway from the game? <clears throat> uh, my final takeaway is I'm glad we see that we pulled out the W with the uh, officials that we had to combat. You know, and uh, I think my favorite call of the game probably was the intentional grounding penalty that was picked up because we completed the pass. I really think that that was the best one. Um, you know, they, they were really try like that right there told me everything I needed to know about this officiating crew and the fact that they threw the flag on a completion for intentional grounding. Like, uh, come on now. Uh, if, if, if we can it, 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 laugh at it, cause it's true. <laughs> if you as an official can honestly say, I'm doing my best. I'm actually being impartial and throw an intentional grounding penalty flag on a completion. You, you need to be in a different profession. Like, I'm just going to be real honest there, but there it is. That that's my final takeaway. Well, perfect. Yeah. So Troy comes away with a win. Uh, obviously everyone hates the officials uh, and, but so happy to win and so happy um, not to have to talk about these guys again for a long time. Uh, so have fun next year. Um, I hear that your game, against uh, Jacksonville State, um, who just barely beat uh, Kennesaw State in overtime, uh, is going to be an excellent conference game next year. So good luck, toppers. Our last look into Western Kentucky, we are going to ask our friend Bird uh, to use his bird's eye view to tell us who is this week's best in the nest. Well, guys, this week's best in the nest, you know, I there's so many – so many key players, you know, Jarrett Dagey, Gunnar Watson, Tess Johnson, you know, Stoudemire, Booth, like all these guys, they were so key to our win over Western Kentucky. Um, and all of them are getting honorable mentions. No worries on that. They're all best in the nest in my book this week. But this week, this, this week, I really want to turn the page a little bit and, and do a best in the nest and honor uh, a former Troy University football player who passed away this week. His name, Antoine Barker. Uh, He was 26, and he was a part of our 2017-2018 team. He was all Sunbelt honors in both years. 2017, he earned 18 tackles. 2018, he earned 27 tackles. And he had a big impact on the Troy defense and just the Troy team. He, He was just a phenomenal player, and he lost his battle with cancer and he passed away this week so just a a true trojan through and through and there are so many people who have come forward saying how much of an impact he had on their life especially his uh friend former troy receiver richard hallman uh who was roommates with him he said that they had an amazing four years together and had so many memories so i just uh i just want to give the best of the nest to him and his family this week absolutely yeah thank you mr barker uh, for your service to Troy University, uh, our prayers with his family, um, you know, and go rest high, my friend. Your, your fight here is over, um, and you will not be forgotten by a very, very grateful Trojan nation. 
a little bit heavy in the best in the nest, but thank you, Bird. Uh, that was uh, well deserved and well done. Uh, let's turn the page uh, and move into our breakdown of the Southern Miss game uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, obviously, Southern Miss is coming to beautiful Pike County, Alabama. Uh, they're kind of a new old friend. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how Drake would feel about this. I know he says, uh, you know, no new friends, uh, but these are kind of also old friends. So we'll see. Um, you know, they're the third member of what's being dubbed the Delta of Hate, uh, the Southern Miss Eagles. Uh, overall, Troy is three and eight against Southern Miss. Ooh. Not a great number, um, but we are two and one against them since I graduated from Troy. Um, and my lower back would tell you that that was a long time ago. Um, USM is two and two this season. They dropped a four overtime thriller to the fighting Jerry Falwells of Liberty <laughs> University. Um, and they, also, they also had a pretty thorough drubbing at the hands of Miami. Um, but uh, they beat Northwestern State. Um, and then they shocked Tulane uh, to win a bell of some kind um, that they're really fond of. Um, you know, Bass, I, I want to give this over to you for just a second before we break them down. Um, because you, I mean, your generation of Trojans, um, you kind of speak for them in my mind. Um, and you really have a particular hatred for this squad. So I want to give you a second before we break them down, uh, you know, to, to hype up the Troy boys and Troy girls. Uh, you know, wh why should we be excited um, to beat this squad from Hattiesburg that's coming over on Saturday? Well, one, they're a conference opponent now. Two, they're in the West Division. Three, this is their introduction to Sun Belt football. We introduced Marshall in beautiful fashion, and we need to introduce Southern Miss in beautiful fashion. Uh, like you said, they're two and one in the recent era um, with the 2016 win in Hattiesburg, the 2019 loss by five points um, during the He Who Must Not Be Named era. And then the most recent game last year, um, also a part of the He Who Must Not Be Named era uh, with a win 21 to 9. So I, I feel like we've played recently together um, and they've been relatively close games except for this most recent one. Um, but I think that Southern Miss is a better and more productive team this year than they were last year. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a closer game than many think it's going to be, but at the same time, I think that we have a wonderful opportunity to to defeat the the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss and um, introduce them to the Sun Belt Conference. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your breakdown because I I'm me when you you know when you when you say many uh, don't think this is going to be close. <laughs> I'm many, okay. Um, so so Bass, you know, try to scare me a little bit. What do you <clears throat> think of the USM offense so far this season? Well, the USM offense right now is led by the freshman quarterback. Yeah, you heard me right. Freshman, as in he has many more years to play with Southern Miss. The freshman quarterback, Zach Wilkie, he's 42 for 70 right now on the season. That's 60% completion rate. 503 yards so far this season. That's 7.2 yards per completion. Four touchdowns in the air and only one interception thrown this season. Just one. That's a lot more than somebody else that we know. Um, not really explosive as a runner, but he does have positive yardage as a runner, which is something none of our quarterbacks can currently say. Um, he's a big rush. Uh, the big rush threat that they currently have is Frank Gore Jr. He has 62 rushes on the year, 314 yards total. That's 5.1 per attempt and three rushing touchdowns. And their big receivers is Jacarius. I think that's right. Jacarius Caston and Jason Brownlee. Um, 
They're not really good at converting on third down, though. So if we could manage to prevent them from converting quickly and get them to third third down situations, we probably have a solid chance of not allowing them to convert and then punt it out. Um, they're 17 for 52 on the season right now on third down. That's 32.7%. Schematically, they like to rush the ball more than they like to pass it. They rush three-fifths of the time, but two-thirds of their yards are currently coming through the air. And the O-line they have is pretty gosh darn stout. They've only allowed four sacks this season. Um, and that, that's most of those came during the Miami game. So uh, I'm if we can manage to penetrate the O-line, we, we have a decent chance of disrupting this freshman quarterback. But if we can't do that and allow them to get five, six yards here and there, they're going to be a problem for us. Absolutely. Uh, Bird, on the other side uh, of the line, what do you think of the Southern Miss defense so far this year? Uh, well, I definitely think Southern Miss has some talent on defense. Just to name a few guys, uh, Malik Shorts, who is a, a defensive back a junior, he has – 24 solo tackles, but he's averaging right now. He has a total of 36 tackles on the year, um, also with two interceptions. Um, and following him, we have linebacker who's a senior. He's do uh, looks like he's got 12 tackles on the year right now, and his name is Santrell Latham. He is another key player that is, pops out to me. Um, and then we also have Eric Scott Jr., number two defensive back, who has two interceptions on the year. Longest interception return is 35 yards. And uh, the two interceptions that he's had, he's returned both of them for touchdowns. Just looking at their entire um, entire defensive squad right now, their stats, they've, they've all got high number of tackles. Like the team totals 288 total tackles and uh 166 of those are solo tackles i think these guys are definitely going to be a challenge for this uh troy offense you know we've definitely gotten some things together um it looks like every snap of the ball has been good for us like we've it's been a learning curve but we've gotten more consistent and better with it, especially on our run game uh but i think it's going to be a challenge if we don't see gunner come out to be the starting QB for this game, which, you know, thoughts and prayers to him. I hope he is doing better. Um, but, you know, I, I think it would be a lot to put on Deggie's shoulders, even though I think he would be good for it. But to go in starting and doing a full four quarters, I'm not exactly sure if, like, he's ready for that. So I think this defense is going to be a true test. Just this Troy team overall on the offensive side, and I think it's going to be a, a true test for the offensive coordinator and John Summerall to, you know, make sure they have a game plan in place. For sure. Uh, on special teams, they are pretty good. Um, kicker Briggs Bourgeois, what a great Gulf Coast name. That's C-Bass. a good one. That's a good uh, one. You know, I, I don't know where he is when this podcast comes out, but I guarantee you there's a crawfish in his mouth. Um, <laughs> he, is, he, is six and, he is six of seven on field goals with a long of 53, and that was not in a dome. So this guy has an absolute leg. Uh, they're averaging 40 yards a punt, 19 yards per kickoff return, and 40 yards per punt return. Um, so Mike Rivers and the gang better be ready because they can definitely flip the field. Um, how do we feel, boys? Uh, this is a, a quasi-rivalry game. Um, we all picked a win here for the men of Troy. Uh, we're currently six-point favorites by the wise guys out in Vegas. Does anybody feel like changing their mind? Uh, no. No, I'm going to take the win. I'm going to take the win for Troy. 
Um, Southern Miss right now is 7-0 and against the spread right now in the last yeah. seven games, which is kind of concerning for me. But I, I still think Troy's going to pull out the dub. I'm going to agree with Steve Ass. That's right. Fins up. Perfect. Fins up. I like it. All three the same. Yep, I, I'm, I'm the same way. And I know I'm going to be there. Um, uh, you know, uh, making some noise and making it hard for these illegal eagles uh, to get anything going on our <laughs> the, the uh, Let's take one last uh, deep dive into our upcoming opponent uh, by getting together with our new friends from the Everyday Eagles podcast uh, in this week's Know Your Foe. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Know Your Foe segment for Southern Miss Week. We are so excited to have Chuck and Lane, the co-host of the Everyday Eagles podcast, representing Southern Miss. Guys, welcome to the Troy Boys podcast. Hey, thanks for having us, man. We're excited. Yeah, man, we're Absolutely. honored to be a part of it. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. And Seabass, you know, these guys are representing the school in your neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. uh, so please take, take it away uh, and fish out some information uh, that might help Troy, uh, uh, you know, rustle up a win on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Being a Mississippi Gulf Coast native, you know, me, the bass itself, swimming out there in the Gulf. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions. We ask everybody that comes on. And at first, I just really want to know what your affiliation is with Southern Miss. You know, I have some family members of mine that attended Southern Miss, and I just kind of want to know um, what your affiliations are. So let's go ahead and start with Chuck. Chuck, what's your affiliation? Hey, man, yeah, so I got my undergrad from Southern Miss. I grew up uh, right down the road in Purvis, Mississippi. Um, I got my undergrad in psychology and then went and got my master's in social work. And, um, now, uh, I co-host with this lovely gentleman here, Mr. Lane Brady, as part of the, uh, team for the Everyday Eagle podcast. It's so awesome. we, we, we bleed black and gold. How awesome. Awesome. Lane, what about yourself? Yeah, man. I grew up in Laurel about 45 minutes from Southern Miss. My dad was a Southern Miss grad and, uh, when I was in fourth grade, my dad took me to my ever collegiate, my first ever collegiate sporting event, and it was the Southern Miss homecoming game, and we got season tickets the next year, and I just fell in love with the university, and I was a high school football player myself, didn't quite have the physical tools to play at Southern Miss, but I became a manager for the football team, and I stayed involved with Southern Miss football all through school as a, as a student equipment manager, so it was... It was good. I got my undergrad and my graduate degree from there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how are we feeling about this year's squad of Golden Eagles? And however y'all want to break that up and discuss it, um, I, I feel like on the whole they're, they're having a really good and productive season. So I, I just want to know what y'all's thoughts are on the Golden Eagles this year. I'll let Chuck go first because I think Chuck has more of the strength of our team here. We're going to well, divide it up, one cover offense, one cover defense. I'll let Chuck go first because he kind of has the strength of our team here. Yeah, absolutely, Lane. I appreciate that. Um, you know, Southern Miss is known for uh, those those two scary words, the nasty bunch. Um, and I think that uh, our, our defense has really improved, especially over the last couple of games. Um, you know, we started the year out with, uh, who was it? Uh, Hayes Maples went down, one of our linebackers, who was just a phenomenal player. And then we Shortly after that, we lost Swayze Bozeman, who's also a, a phenomenal linebacker. But we've had some people like Dalen Gill um, step up and fill those those spots. Um, and you can't talk Southern Miss defense without talking about Malik Shorts, who is Southern Miss defense. I mean, he's got two interceptions already this year. Um, and then to top it off, you got Eric Scott Jr., 
who had that huge interception against Tulane, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, we've got some playmakers on defense, and um, I, I think the Nasty Bunch is making a return. Cool, cool. All right, um, and let, let's kick it off the lane. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the offense. And if you look at our offense on paper, uh, we're averaging 30 points a game, around 31. So it's not terrible, but it doesn't necessarily jump off the page as like a high-octane, you know, ridiculous offense. I think that would be what people would say is more so our weaker area here. But really, the, the story behind our offense is we struggled to find an identity early on. And we feel like we've kind of mm-hmm. found it here. Like we started the season with a quarterback battle and the quarterback battle was between two guys who both are very talented young football players. Um, and then we, we even rotated in running backs at the quarterback position at times. We had this package called super back where we would put our running backs back there at quarterback. And it was the ones that played like dual threat quarterback in high school. So they could throw enough to keep you honest but they, you know, they are running backs. And so we we kind of rotated through that the first couple games of the year and really kind of found our stride and found our identity against Tulane. Uh, unfortunately, one of the players broke his arm that was in the quarterback battle, so he's out and we officially have a starter. Uh, Zach Wilkie is the starter, starting quarterback. He is a true freshman. Kid was playing high school football last year. And Southern Miss fans have been really impressed with Wilkie, though, this season so far. He doesn't really play the game like a freshman would. You know, against Tulane, he led us to a huge win, and I think Chuck's going to talk about that game in a little bit. But against Tulane, his numbers, he was 17 for 25, 194 yards in the air, uh, two touchdowns. He he just he had a good game, and it helps because – the offensive line didn't give up a single sack against Tulane. So, if you're a freshman quarterback, that's that's pretty nice to know you're well protected, and the offensive mm-hmm. line played really well for him. Um, so, the team's kind of rallied around Wilkie. He has some big playmakers out on the edge. He has uh, Jason Brownlee, who he was on some preseason watch lists for the Sun Belt. Um, he, he was kind of a known name going into the season. And people have really keyed on Brownlee. He's been double-teamed pretty much every single game he's played. And it's really opened the door for a guy named Jacarius Kasman. So, Jason Brownlee's number one. So, I'm trying to put in terms for Troy fans to watch for these guys uh, this weekend. But Jason Brownlee's number one. He was a big-time football player coming into the season, well-known. And Jacarius Caston, number 15, has really thrived off of the attention Brownlee has gotten because it's created some matchups that Caston's been able to take advantage of. And right now, going into this game as it sits, Jacarius Caston's the leading receiver with 20 catches for 262 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, he's got some weapons to throw to on the edge, Wilkie does. And then at Mm -hmm. running back, uh, our running back's probably the most dynamic playmaker when the ball is in his hands, and that's Frank Gore Jr. If that sounds familiar, it is the Frank Gore, his kid. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, his daddy won me some fantasy football leagues back yeah. in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, Jr. is a running back for Southern Miss. He he comes in as a – he was a quarterback in high school. He comes in as a quarterback in that super back set. Uh, he's number three. 
just a you know a fun one to watch to watch play. You know, For especially sure. knowing yeah. especially knowing who his daddy was. Yeah, and and you know us Troy fans, we can probably echo the sentiment of not having a real clear offensive identity, and we're kind of shifting in direction from what people are used to. You know, Troy is really known to be a a pass heavy team and more of an air raidish team, but we're starting to move in the running direction. Um, and so I, I can echo that sentiment of understanding what it's like to not truly have an offensive identity to start the season, but we're starting to starting to really get into stride. Y'all, y'all kind of started talking about this two lane game that y'all had. Um, and, and for us, Troy fans, can you elaborate how big of a deal that win is? Cause we don't truly understand, um, you know, but is it like us beating South? Is it equivalent to that? Um, or is it like, you know, uh, is it like knocking off LSU? Is it that, that big of a deal for y'all? Can you elaborate, please? No, so it's it's one of those rivalry games. Um, we both were in Conference USA. Um, the 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 football game is called Battle for the Bell. I don't know. You may have seen the bell. I think we actually broke the bell, um, bringing it bringing it this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, they were that excited. But the, I think the reason it was such a huge win, um, it, it definitely doesn't parallel to like beating an LSU or an Alabama or anything like that. Tulane, I mean, they were three and zero coming in on the game. Um, Will Hall was their offensive coordinator two years, two years ago before he came to Southern Miss. And Ty Keyes, one of our starting quarterbacks, was supposed to be playing at Tulane, um, but he he shifted uh, his commitment when Will Hall came to Southern Miss. Um, but it's 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 one of those rivalry games. I would say it. You know, I wouldn't even know if I'd parallel it to y'all in South Alabama because I know there's some some you know in-state stuff there. Um, it's just one of those, uh, there were two teams in conference USA that we love to beat and Tulane and Memphis. And two, so it, it was, it was a big, I will say it's the biggest win for coach hall since being here. In my opinion, mm-hmm. Lane, would you agree with that? I agree with that. Yeah. Growing I, up yeah. a Southern Miss fan, you wanted the bell and you wanted to win mm-hmm. the black and blue bowl versus every year. Memphis. I mean, every year that was a huge rivalry and we hated it left. And then. The other thing is, so they left our conference, mm-hmm. and we played them a couple years ago. And we've been so our program. I'm sure your listeners have have seen this, or y'all had a chance to talk about it. But our program had kind of been in a lull the past few years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had coaching changes and stuff like that. And uh, we played Tulane for the first time since they left the conference during the middle of this lull, and they hung 66 points on us. So. Yeah, it felt good to get you know to get back out and bring the bell a little back revenge. On. Yeah, and I and I will say um, to you to you Sun Belt listeners out there, um, Southern Miss was is known has been known as a good football school. Um, you know, we had a tendency to beat the people we shouldn't be, like TCU and Alabama and LSU, and um, we started going downhill when we hired an SEC coach. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, leave we, it at that. we've we've caught we've caught that uh, we've caught yeah. that disease a few yeah, times. Yeah, we'll talk about yes. that one. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Who must not be named? <laughs> we have we have one of those too. We we don't say his name, but see, Bash, everybody. If I get one question in, uh, no, not at all. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Chuck, I'll come to you. But Lane, obviously, yeah. uh, if you want to comment, I'd love to hear it. Um, sure. You're talking about rivalries. Rivalries are the lifeblood of the sport. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it, and they change. When I was at Troy. Um, I'm an old man. My back hurts all the time. Okay, so I'll <laughs> tell you when I was at Troy, um, UAB, um, a school that y'all are familiar with, uh, mm-hmm. former conference mates, they were our big rival. We hated them. For Trojans, 20 years before me, Jacksonville State, and another battle, uh, our battle for the old school bell, 
that was the big rivalry. So, um, you know, these things change. One of the things that's happening right now that's unique for us to talk about is people are really pushing for uh, what's being uh, kind of dubbed the delta of hate, this kind of three-way <laughs> rivalry uh, between Southern Miss, um, that school in Mobile, and our, our school. Um, and and we, look, I mean, we, we don't need to be coaxed into this too much. We hate those dudes down there um, just about as badly as we can hate anybody. Um, but, I mean, I have no real animosity to you guys. Um, right. you know, I went down there and watched us win uh, 20 to 9, and, and everybody seemed – uh, friendly and and you know they sold beer on Sunday so that was fine with me. Uh, but I mean, you know, kind of what what is the what what's going on on you alls side of the aisle? Um, do Southern Miss fans uh, view Troy as a rival or, or want this to be kind of a rivalry game? Or what's your take on it, Chuck? I think I think it's definitely a possibility. I will say that we join you, especially and I know we're talking about football, but especially in baseball, we absolutely hate the school of Mobile. Oh God! Amen. I mean, yeah. like it's just that like if the bad taste <laughs> in your mouth, and I don't know why. I can't tell. Like I know that we play each other hard, and um, I think that we have we you know we opened our season there last year, right, Lane? And yeah, then, and South I Alabama mean, plays like the New York Yankees whenever they play again. Right, it's it's weird, and maybe that's why. Um, I I I don't you know I I, I have no animosity towards Troy either. Um, so I, what do you think, Lane? I mean, well, I, 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 say I this, love what's the game. So to me, what's exciting about us moving to the Sun Belt, which by the way. You won't find a Southern Miss fan who isn't just giddy to be a Sunbelt member now. Absolutely. Um, it was a long time coming. Um, so what what is fun is we've got a lot of close games here, a lot of schools within driving distance that we can go see games and stuff, and we can kind of develop those. To me, it's a regional rivalry, and those are fun. Mm -hmm. uh, South Alabama has kind of been one with us. We played them in football a couple times, and, we play them in baseball every year, and it's always a, a good game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think going into it, a lot of Southern Miss fans kind of view South Alabama as an immediate rival, like as of right now, you know. And I think a lot of Southern Miss fans are viewing like a Louisiana Lafayette as a potential yeah. big-time rival because, to be honest with you, we hated Louisiana Tech. Like We do. Badly. We still do. Yeah, it, it was a pretty heated rivalry with them, pretty heated rivalry with UAB that we had, too. So, I don't know. It kind of turns into, did South Al take UAB spot and did Lafayette take La Tech spot? You know, a lot of Southern Miss fans kind of view it that way. And I think they look at it more so just because, I mean, Southern Miss people don't really hate Troy. I mean, none of uh -uh. us, we played right. each other in the past. But, I mean, shoot, there's a lot of Troy people that came from Southern Miss, you know, there's, uh, Brent Jones, Kyle George guys in the athletic department. They were all at Southern Miss before they came to Troy. Chip Lindsay was our OC before he came to Troy. And so, uh, oh, oh gosh, uh, sorry, did I say something my shit was said? But in fairness here, a lot of Southern Miss people have gone on to Troy because it was, you know, it was an opportunity to for advancement in their career. And I don't – I mean, I think it's kind of – I think it'll start out as a friendly rivalry. Definitely with the proximity here, I could see that being a big-time rivalry. Mm -hmm. There's just no reason to hate each other yet. Right, right. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll so, figure one out. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah we'll figure it out. Long, yeah. I'm sure, but there's no – you know. 
won't take long, I'm sure. But ah, good, good. Well, so for right now, we're going to remain hospitable and friendly right. neighbors. Friendly um, neighbors yeah, who so, happen to uh, play each other. That's right. Speaking of being hospitable neighbors, uh, the Troy Trojans are happy to host you guys coming up this Saturday, 6 p.m. It's going to be a wonderful low 70s dry kickoff in the beautiful Ooh. Troy, Alabama. And I want to know what your thoughts are on this upcoming matchup. What are your predictions? How do you see this game faring? Well, I told Chuck I'd take this one because I'm kind of the stats geek and the He is definitely the stats geek. Analyst guy. I, I'm actually a – a coach like I get I get into the football analytics side of it and stuff so to me so for one obviously if we're making a prediction here which I think is what you asked me to do I wouldn't be a Southern Miss fan if I didn't pick us to win right Right. so I'll say we win but I think it's a close game and for Southern Miss fans at least me we're looking at this game and I think these are the things that need to happen for us to be successful so Chuck talked about our defense earlier um, I think defensive line is our strength. Uh, we've kind of bolstered that over the past, you know, off season and stuff. And we've, our defensive line has played really, really well to start the season. And looking at you guys, you know, you're averaging 330 yards in the air per game, whereas mm-hmm. you're averaging uh, 79 yards on the ground, you know. And so in looking at that, you would think stop the pass first. You know, and so I think a big key to us is our defensive line, the strength of our defense, getting pressure on your quarterback. You know, you guys have obviously had some good quarterback play this season. It would be putting pressure on him with our front guys, letting our other guys kind of drop back into coverage, putting some pressure on him and, uh, and you know, hopefully causing some turnovers for us or causing some, some mistakes. Offensively, our, our key to success here is to develop a run game. You know, I mentioned we had a couple games where we didn't really get the run game going very well. Um, to me, that's going to be key because it forces you to play us honest. And now we can take advantage of our weapons on the edge and Caston and, and Brownlee. You know, what we don't want is for your front defensive line and linebackers to, you know, clog up the run so we can't do anything and then be able to commit all your safeties and everything to the pass game. You know, that would that would definitely play against us. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, it's worth mentioning we blocked a kick and a punt versus two lanes. So right. Which were huge. Teams. Yeah, special yeah. teams plays matter a lot, you know. It's, yeah. That's normally the game maker in tight games like this. A, a real a real good special teams unit can make the difference in a game like this. And and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know I speak for Joe and Bird and saying that, uh, that I think this is going to be a great matchup or two relatively balanced teams compared to one another side by side. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it out in Troy. Um, and my final question that I have for y'all, we're, we're big people um, and we like to eat. Um, so if we were hey, ever so find ourselves, we. Hey, perfect. Yeah. If we were <laughs> ever find ourselves in Hattiesburg, what would be somewhere you recommend taking us to eat? And what would be the one thing we should order? Take it away, Chuck. Okay. So if, if, if you're coming to Hattiesburg, then I've taken you to um, one of two places. I'm taking you to keg and barrel. Um, because like the outside atmosphere, they have a big screen TV on Saturdays and Sundays. They have the football games on, um, any kind of beer you can drink. I mean, I think they have like 175 beers on tap. I'm here for it. Um, any of the burgers are good. The Mm -hmm. dirty Diana, it's delectable. Um, but if, if keg and barrel was packed out, then we're going to go a little bit, uh, West and we're going to hit up pier 98. Um, and that's just some good seafood and, 
Um, just a great atmosphere with some uh, fun people. So those would be my two places. If you come to Hattiesburg, check out Keg and Barrel on Pier 98. Sounds good. Yeah, I have an opinion here too. So <laughs> told you, big guys, man, we like to eat. We like our restaurants. So, we do. Uh, and we got some good places in Hattiesburg. We really do. Um, if you're going for atmosphere, I echo Chuck's Keg and Barrel. That's a fun place to go hang mm-hmm. out, and it's close to campus. So if you're coming for like a game day or something, uh, whenever you guys play us here, that would be a fun short short trip. You know, yeah, it's like can, a mile and a half from campus. That yeah, one road, can, yeah, it'd be it'd be a good time for you there. And then if you're if you're staying the night or something, and you want something good to eat that night, uh, I always choose Sully's. It's, mm-hmm. it's called Sully's Tavern. It's a, uh, it's a, it serves steaks. They serve a lot of stuff, but I always get the steak. I've never actually gone anywhere else on the menu, but they have, uh, they, it's, it's a bar. They got live music at night. And, um, every time I go, I get a ribeye steak with a baked potato and, and a side salad. Now, y'all are men after my own heart. Sounds Some good. beer and Sounds some good. steaks. I mean, y'all are all up in my alley, like 100%. Yeah. Well, we, uh, go ahead. You know, if you do go to Sully, save room for the cheesecake because that's the best cheesecake, period. It's, they literally call it the world's greatest cheesecake. Oh, yeah. It's phenomenal. Matter that's of fact, awesome, if you man. guys come to Hattiesburg, hit us up, man. Well, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll and uh, yeah, we'll and hopefully we get to see y'all come on out to Troy this weekend. And if you do, uh, you reach out to us. We'll happily walk around to the other side of the stadium, say hey, and then uh, head back to the home side. Absolutely, <laughs> man. I don't well, blame you. All right, Joe. All right. Hey, well, well, guys, thank you so much uh, for being our guest. Uh, We really look forward to it. Everybody, please go check out the Everyday Eagles podcast. Uh, You might even hear some familiar voices on it on episode pretty soon. Uh, So go check it out. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, It's all in the Sun Belt. It's all in the family. Like their podcast. Chuck, Lane, thank you so much for being our guest. And uh, as always on this segment, we want to wish you guys a great rest of the season. And we want to wish that it happens uh, next Sunday. Okay. Everything from next Sunday on is <laughs> right? really great. Okay. We hope you have a great season, no, except no. for Saturday. Except for Saturday. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. That's it. That's it. Hey, thanks again, it. guys. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. This was all fun. Right. Many thanks to our friends uh, from the Everyday Eagles podcast for participating. Be sure to go find that podcast. Check it out. Uh, you know, subscribe to it, rate and review. Uh, and be looking out because there's going to be an episode soon uh, with some familiar voices on it. So, mm, you know, uh, go listen goodness. to us. Uh, sound like idiots, uh, you know, on somebody, <laughs> on else's, somebody else's podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now it's time for my favorite segment of the week. Uh, and that is when I get to bring out this tackle box uh, from all of Trojan Nation uh, trying to, you know, get their lures in the water and get a hold of our bass. Um, Bass, this is a listener question. This is a live one, okay? I mean, every okay. every time this season, I'm bringing you the real deal. And, they're uh, and, and, and this one is going to plunge you in to some hot take territory. So be mm-hmm. careful swimming around this one, Bass. Okay. Uh, quote, all of Trojan Nation is both praying for all our players' quick return to good health and the field, including Gunner, and also celebrating – Daggy's uh, heroics, given mm-hmm. Daggy's performance, do you think this changes what the coaching staff has in mind in terms of the QB position? Who do you expect to start against Southern Miss? 
Ooh. I know. Um, yeah, well, some, I, I... That is some yeah, stink bait. I am. Mm. They are about to make me trudge right through it. Um, so I, I echo the sentiment. I am also praying for everyone's, you know, return to good health. Uh, I want Gunner to come back healthy and strong and continue to be as successful as he has been this season. Um, pending Gunner's full recovery. If he fully recovers, I think he's going to be the one that starts against Southern Miss. Um, we're going to maintain what we're used to. I really don't think we'll start with Daigie. I think we'll start with Gunner. Um, but now that we've had solid performance from Daigie and the fan base has seen a good performance from Daigie, I think that the offensive mind on the sideline is kind of now stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that if Gunner is going out there and he's not having a great performance and the fan base knows because we've seen it, you have a quarterback on the sideline that can perform in high-pressure situations and complete passes in the red zone. Um, we're going to kind of have to use Daggy more. Um, I, I, I'm not against a two-quarterback system, but it needs to be used in a way that makes sense logically. And I don't know that there's a time and place situation that's more effective to use Gunner over Daggy or Daggy over Gunner. I think they're both decent quarterbacks. I, I just think that we need to kind of understand when to use one and not the other. And I don't know that we have that figured out yet. I think Daigie's pretty good and solid in the red zone and Gunner really struggles at the red zone. Um, Daigie was seven for eight this past week. Now I don't know how much of that was just built in pressure and he knew he had to perform and there was no way around it. But before transferring to Troy and before transferring to Western Kentucky, he was the leading receiver in, in yards, right? in the FBS. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, he he is the the was the leading active passer in yeah. yards for sure. So I mean, we know he's a good quarterback, and we clearly have weapons on on the receiving end of the ball. So I don't know why we don't use Daigie more than we do. I don't know if it's um, personnel being more comfortable with Gunner. I don't know if it's because Gunner's more practiced and more seasoned with the team over Daigie. But I think that we're now at the point of he's been around enough. If he doesn't know the os- offensive schemes right now, he's probably not going to have it by the end of the season. And at which point, why did we recruit him in the first place? This is his last year, right? Oh, we I think we recruited him for that fourth quarter. So, I, I think we recruited him because John Summerall didn't didn't want to put Peter Costelli out there to try to finish a game against Western Kentucky. And, you know, the Disney storyline is how great is this? You know, that right. That Jared, but like Jared, it, Jared, let, he, is out there. But but I think against anybody, they feel more comfortable with him backing up Gunner than they do with Peter. But if we were to turn, like if the hourglass was flipped and Gunner was not injured, do you think we would have finished the same way? Oh, that's trying a to hot put a take, hook in bro. my mouth. Oh my bro? gosh! Yeah, I think so. We win you the game. Are you asking me if we win the game? Yes. You think, think you think Gunner Watson would have had two red zone touchdowns? I think, I think we win so. the game. I think I think I think we would have won the game, and I think we would have seen a lot more productivity in the red zone with Gunnar Watson, especially after that receiving touchdown he got. And, like, all that is is a confidence boost right there. Well, I mean, he's the one that caught it. He didn't throw it. Tez I know. Johnson, Tez Johnson has a better completion rate in the red zone than Gunnar Watson does. But I'm saying oh, – well, One of one. One of one. One and one's 100%, what, baby. What are, what, are, what, are, what are the odds that they run that same play again? 
Like, uh, it, it's probably I mean, there. I mean, like, it, I mean, that's like <laughs> beyond exists. But I mean, even if he wasn't the one who threw that touchdown pass, like, I mean, he it still would have given some kind of boost to that offense where he may have, might have done better in the red zone the next year. Oh, I mean, I really don't know that if we had maintained what we were doing, we might have pulled. I don't think we would have pulled it out. That's just my opinion. I, I think Daigie going take. in was uh, – it is a fire take, and everybody <laughs> can get all all upset about it. But I, I think Daigie's a great quarterback. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think we need to utilize him more. You know, we get caught between a rock and a hard place, and we kind of need to – we need to swap Gunner out, give him a second to breathe, and then go back. I mean, we um, – go, rather, rather than forcing him to give up, you know, piss-poor throws, throw all these interceptions. He's, yeah. he's He has more interceptions this season right now than he did all of last season. Yeah. And and he's been sacked God knows how many times, which is not entirely his fault, but he needs to be aware and get rid of the ball. Well, it goes back to what, what happened. It goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the season and last season about rotating quarterbacks out because of their, you know, just where they thrive at. And, you know, there's an opportunity there, but I just don't think that's the risk that John Summerall is willing to take right now. No, and I, and I agree. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he will, but I think it should happen. Um, but I, right. I think if Gunner's at full health, he's going to start and he'll probably be in the spot for most of the game. And if, if Gunner's having a really bad performance against Southern Miss, which I don't think he will, Dave, you'll find his way back. Um, but as of right now, I think we're going to go with with the plan A that we've had for for a long time. It's just gunner, 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 gunner. Well, all right. Uh, I mean, this is a first in tackle box history. Uh, you know, not only has Seabass wriggled his way away from this hook, uh, he's thrown a hook into all of our mouths. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Pose like, the question to you. History. Yeah, yeah on, on, on this win in Bowling Green. Uh, so, you know, I'm actually relieved uh, to move into uh, this next segment, um, you know, where I can, uh, where all I have to do, you know, is, is put some cold cream all over my body, uh, go into the TroyFans.com Inferno and bring all the good Troy boys and girls, the TroyFans.com Hot Take of the Week. Marshall Law. Marshall. Let, let me first, you know, just preface that, I mean, it should be what Seabass just said. That should be the joyfans.com. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, this is scripted a little bit, uh, folks. You know, I mean, it is free, but it, uh, it, it's not that terrible. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm going I'm to stay where my honorable mention, Seabass, uh, for the, for, Thank uh, what you. you just I'm did. honored for my first ever honorable mention. <laughs> you should be. I don't, don't don't get too hot now. I don't need. <laughs> in my hand. Um, but I'm going to keep it short and sweet. This is uh, from Troy fans. This is from the game thread. Uh, these game threads this year have been absolutely uh, stellar in terms of some fire takes. Uh, you know, being in the stadium, guys, you know this. You get to experience the highs and lows of the game in real time. You feel it mm-hmm. in your body. Um, you're hugging strangers, you're high-fiving players' dads, uh, you're mean-mugging Western Kentucky's 1962 National Championship team. Um, and that's a real story. Did that. All fun stuff. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's fun after the game, when you've been there, to read the game thread um, and see that somebody who couldn't make it for one reason or another um, was rooting the Trojans on from afar and was just as amped up as you were in the stadium and felt that exact same energy. Um, and after the trick play that led to Gunner's first career touchdown reception, uh, a poster put out a simple line that really captured the feeling that was in the Troy fans section. 
Uh, and in order to keep this clean, I'm going to have to substitute one word with another word that has the same number of syllables. Um, so, uh, quote, trick or treat, baked potato. Touchdown, men of Troy. <laughs> I'm going to guess that baked potato is the word we've substituted out, right? Yeah, you, have, okay, you have good okay. context clues. Thank you. Um, although, I am please, learned. <laughs> although, please, members of Troy fans, please start using baked potato as a substitute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, because it will help us out, um, and we'll know that you're listening. But, but you, Poster, I mean, that is exactly how we felt. I was aggressive. I was, I literally, you know, did the uh, posed, uh, you know, ripping my shirt open to show the Superman symbol to the members of the 1962 National Championship team of Western Kentucky <laughs> on that play. Okay, so you felt the same energy, um, and, and I appreciate that. And we were so excited to have Trojan Nation behind us, both the people there and the people watching uh, from afar. And we're looking forward to getting back upon the mighty walls of Troy this Saturday. Right. All right, gentlemen, we've done it again. Uh, we have gotten an hour of these people's time to talk about the greatness that is Troy football. Uh, Bird, any final comments before we head into the Southern Miss game? Man, go Trojans. I'm so excited about this football team. I'm excited for this, this upcoming uh, game at home this weekend. And, man, it, it was just so good to get such a – awesome win this weekend it was so much fun even though i wasn't there in the stadium it was fun to just watch it on tv even if the espn plus commentators were god awful and the cameraman was god awful but anyways (laughs) they always are but man i'm just i'm so proud of this team you know it's 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 just it's an honor to be a troy alum and i'm so happy to be a troy fan i can't wait to see what we do the rest of the season amen and and also i mean if you're gonna watch these broadcasts uh, please, you know, find one of the one of the apps. Uh, get Barry, That's you know, the on way. your phone, um, and you can slow the radio mm-hmm. broadcast down so that it matches the TV broadcast. Yes, Barry and, is the way to go. 100%. Oh, I mean, but look, if if there is a question in this world and Barry McKnight is not the answer, it's the wrong question. <laughs> um, so please, uh, please, you know, uh, do that, Troy fans. You're going to save yourself a lot of heartburn and and anxiety medication. Seabass, uh, go ahead. Give us any final yeah. comments heading into yeah. this. Let's do it. Go Trojans. Pack the vet. We'll see you there. Section one sixteen. I'll be there. Um, send us your tackle box questions. You know, I, I'm I'm always more than willing to answer your questions. And then people, you know, send us messages about how stupid I am. I appreciate it. It makes me real happy to do this for free. Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, I'm going to give this one another fins up. You know, it's going to be another great week. And now let's welcome Southern Miss to the beautiful Veterans Memorial Stadium in lovely Troy, Alabama. Absolutely. Yes, please, everyone. Um, you know, thank you, Bird. Thank you, Bass, for being here. Thank you, all of you, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, share the Troy Boys podcast. Uh, and if you're in the stadium, come by Section 116. Uh, come see us. Uh, you know, look for me. I'm just, a, yeah, I'm a loud guy. Uh, I've got a, I'll be holding like a kind of a small, a glass aquarium under one arm with a fish in it, obviously. Um, and then there's a bird, not an emu or an ostrich as we discussed. Um, and he sits kind of on the back of the bleacher seat. So look for me, you'll see me, uh, but come over there, um, and, and see me and, and enjoy cheering together, um, and help us get a win over Southern Miss. We need to pack the vet. And we need to make noise in the vet uh, like we did for the last home win against Marshall. I'm looking forward to that. 
Uh, as always, go Trojans, and God bless your Blaze.